Well, we've been in a series called Community, where you and I belong, and I love it. We're talking about how it's not good for us to be alone. Yes, we need a relationship with Jesus, but we also need a relationship with one another. And we've been talking through this scripture found in the book of Acts in the Bible, and we love the Bible. We're not just making up the stuff as we go along, but there's been some time-tested principles through God's scripture. And uh, I want to read what we've been talking about throughout this message series. It comes from Acts 2, and I want to read 46 through 47. It says this about the early church, the first church. It says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love this. It says that the church is growing, their numbers are being added daily, and it's awesome. Here at Kalos Church, we're seeing that we're reaching more and more people every week. Even I see new faces today, and I'm so excited that we are a growing community where we are making known the beauty of Jesus Christ. And we are not content with keeping the message of Jesus a secret. We're not okay with keeping the hope and the joy and the peace of the world to ourselves, amen? And we are longing to share it with the world. And so we are a growing movement, but we need to figure out as we grow larger, how do we make sure that that we're not just a gathering of a crowd where people just become numbers and that people are falling through the cracks. And so we are going to focus on a key scripture from Acts 20, 20, and it says this, and we're going to talk about a dynamic, a new season in Kalos Church that we're going to be introducing today. And it comes from Acts 20, 20. It says this, Paul, talking about his dealings with the early church, says, I never shrink back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. So as we grow in numbers and as we make known the beauty of Jesus, it's very important that we follow through with this dynamic that the book of Acts talks about, how the early church, the first church that had ever existed on earth, they met in the temple courts, or as Paul talked about it in the scripture we just read, he shared the gospel publicly, and that's like the Sunday morning. This is a larger gathering. We're sharing the gospel publicly. We're eager for people to come, and we want as many people as possible to know Jesus. But then Paul says, I also shared the gospel with you in your homes. Or as in Acts 2, where it says that we were in the temple courts, large gatherings, but we also shared the Lord's Supper in homes. So we see a dynamic in the scriptures. There's big church, and there's small church. There's the temple courts, and there's meeting in the homes. And as we grow larger, what I want to communicate today is that it is very important that we grow smaller. So as we grow larger, we grow smaller. I was reading uh, an excerpt from a magazine called Yes Magazine. Has anybody heard about this nonprofit magazine, Yes Magazine? Well, they, it's not a Christian magazine at all, but they were talking about this dynamic and actually said, we can learn a lot from churches in America. And when it comes to activism and political movements, they took a time slot in their, in their program to demonstrate that, hey, as the churches have grown larger, they've been also very intentional about 
growing in families and communities and in what they would call small groups. I want to read this excerpt from Yes Magazine. This is a totally non-Christian article. They actually don't really have a huge fan base that supports Christianity or the church, but they acknowledge the power of small church, big church. It says this, Say a new activist works up the courage to attend a forum or rally. She may find herself part of a large anonymous crowd. Of course, it is essential to provide such open spaces for people to join the movement. And it's essential that we make them welcoming and inviting, like a Sunday worship service. Come on, somebody. But people don't stay deeply involved with the movement for long if they don't make connections with others. So we should ask, within our movements, are there opportunities to join a small, closely-knit group? The group that will become your glue to the overall movement. That is structured not just for work, but for support and community. Yes Magazine, everybody. Can we give a good round of applause for Yes Magazine? Not that I'm supporting it. I've not read anything else by that. <laughs> but I, I like that they've identified that any movement, whether it's a political movement or whether it's a, a movement to make known the beauty of Jesus like we are, it has to have this idea of growing smaller as it grows larger, that it's a glue, these small connections. And my, my fear is that as we grow larger, you know, we've been talking about we're going to melt, we're going to thaw, we're going to destroy the Seattle freeze, right? We're going to thaw the Seattle freeze. But my, my fear is that as we develop community here at Kalos Church, we would start creating the Seattle freeze because we would say, ah, oh, well, Kalos is getting so big and it's starting to feel a little impersonal and I feel kind of like just a number. And so now that we've found our family, when people walk into this environment, they kind of feel that, hey, we don't really have any room for more friends. Like, I just found my friends. I just found my community. I just made my family. I don't really have room to make more friends because I'm trying to choose quality over quantity. And uh, that is a scary thought that while we're feeling oppressed by the Seattle freeze, that same fear and that same hurt or those same patterns could mean that we end up creating the Seattle freeze. Does that make sense? And so I want to make sure that we are really um, entertaining this idea that as we grow larger, we grow smaller. And so in February, and this is what I'm introducing, in February, we're going to be launching what we're calling small groups or Kalos groups, where we can, yes, meet as a large group on Sunday mornings, a safe environment to have a powerful moment as the body of Christ worshiping together in strength and reaching people and making sure people know the beauty of Jesus. But all also, in February, we will launch small groups where we can meet in each other's homes and where we can have meals with each other and we can do life together and we can start a running group and we can run together or we can start rock climbing together or we can just do life together. And I'm really excited. We'll talk more about the nuts and bolts about what that will look like. But by the end of this message today, I'm going to give you an opportunity where you say, hey, I would like to be part of small groups or I'd like to lead one or I would like to host one or I'd like to put myself in a position where I can grow in community, where I know the people's names are around me and they know my names. Because we don't just want butts in rows, okay? We wanna be people who do life in circles, amen? Uh, we've been doing these community parties on Sunday nights. Who's been at a community party? And so this has been, uh, 
our glue to make sure that we're not just working hard because we're setting up chairs and packing up trucks and getting ready for services and all this stuff. We want to make sure that we're just having time to play together and eat together and get to know each other. And these things are awesome. Our last Sunday night party was at the Spores. Spores, can you raise your hand? Awesome. Thanks for hosting. And uh, yeah, you guys can give them a round of applause. If you're going to do it, do it well. It's not a hesitant round of applause. And so we had like, I don't know, like 30 people, 35 people there. And so it was awesome. We were in their house, and it's kind of a larger gathering for a house. But as we were a large gathering in their house, kind of taking over every little area, we naturally started grouping into smaller groups. So within the large group, there was a small group. So, so Brent here, he unveiled the mysteries of coffee to us, okay? He... I've heard of pour-overs, right? Who, where are my coffee people at? Pour-overs. I've heard of Chemex. I've heard of, you know, like drip coffee, you know, just a regular filter. He used the magic of science to siphon coffee. He had like science beakers and like a Bunsen burner, and he put coffee and liquid on the bottom, and through the power of heat and energy and fire, I don't even know how you did that, he was able to move the liquid to go up. And then it dropped right down as an air bubble popped, and suddenly we were drinking coffee. <laughs> it's magic. And so there was a group of us like kind of nerding out around it, and he's like, look at this, coffee, and uh, Bunsen burners. And then there's another group where they have a daughter named Cadence. She had this, like, this game where there's this plastic little gymnast, and as you press the button, his legs just shoot up. And so if you time it right, he starts swinging around like a high bar, a high beam bar, and then you get this gymnast to do a flip and land on a certain part of a mat. And depending on where that gymnast lands, you score 10, 50, or 100 points. And there are a lot of us gathered around this gymnast playing this little girl's toy game. And we were little girls at that moment. We were just giggling and having a lot of fun. And that was amazing. Where are my gymnast groups at? Ah, Josh Lewis, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. He's being sheepish. You're totally part of that group, Zack Snyder. Come on. And uh, so while, while that group was happening, there was another group. And I don't know if Solomon's here. I just saw Solomon earlier. Uh, Solomon. While we were giggling like little girls around this group, Solomon had another group of guys that were laughing at us <laughs> because we were stealing this little girl's toy from her. <laughs> and, oh man, it was awesome. And then there's a group on the couch, and then there's a group around the table just eating. And side note, if you haven't come to one of these community parties, you need to come. One reason alone is that Solomon brings a full-size cake to every single party. Full size, it's amazing. And so then there, there's a group that's just hovering around the desserts because everybody brings something to pass and share. And I just like this idea because as there's a large group in this party and we're feeling like family, naturally there's a dynamic that we're, we're getting into smaller groups and we're sharing our lives, we're laughing together, and eventually, if you laugh together with someone long enough, you end up crying together. And we're just sharing different things. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, can you, can you pray for me? Hey, can you help me find a job? Hey, can you, can you like give me some advice on this? And I, I like that just naturally, when you put people in the same time, in the same place, you meet in homes, you share these activities together, things get really deep really fast. There's this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says this, 
Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? It's just that connection, that community, that drawing together, that finding out who each other is. And so in Kalos, as we launch small groups, our hope is that we could experience this large group where the masses are knowing who Jesus is, that not one is left behind, that we would say, hey, there's always room for one more, that Jesus loves you, he has a plan for you. But in our attempt to reach lots of people, we would still find ourselves in environments where people know our stories and people know our names and we're not just numbers in crowds because like we've been talking about, there isn't an epidemic in America of loneliness. It's as bad for our health right now as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. People need community. It is not good for us to live alone. I need you, you need me, and we need us. Amen? And so in the scriptures, I want to give this example where Jesus does something amazing. I want to read from Mark 6, verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there are so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? Hashtag starch life. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I've been eating 80 to 90% starch for the last couple of months. How much bread do you have? Is it, you tell me. All right, how it's going? She said, how's it going? All right. <laughs> Guys, don't get distracted. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported. We have five loaves of bread and, and two fish. All right. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I love this example, and for me, it's also an example of the prototype of the early church. There's a large crowd gathering, and the disciples, they must have been people that wanted to perpetuate the Seattle freeze. Their initial reaction was like, hey, we're tired, we're hungry, send those people away, okay? We just need to take care of our small group, us 12 disciples. Let's just make sure we're okay. And they say, hey, send those people away. But Jesus, it says, and this is, oh, I love Jesus so much. And this is why we're so focused on the beauty of Jesus, because it says that he had compassion on those people. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And I saw the, the, just the brain of Jesus here. Like in Psalm 68, 6, it says that God places the lonely in families. And Jesus says, 
whoa, 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 don't send them away. Give them something to eat. And the disciples automatically, they're like, what, what are we going to do? What do we have to offer? What do we have to contribute? And he says, just go gather whatever you can find. Use what you've got. And then they present that to Jesus, and he puts the people in groups, and then through that, they're able to find a multiplication of the blessings, a multiplication of the bread of heaven, this bread that just feeds people and nourishes. Bread is awesome as well. And so we see that there is a template here, just like we saw in the book of Acts, that there is this idea of big church, and there's this idea of small church. There's Jesus teaching the masses. He didn't want to send the crowds away, but he also had compassion and wanted to place them in groups so that they could be like sheep with a shepherd and not sheep without a shepherd. So this whole idea of small groups, I believe it creates three opportunities for us. It helps us to care for people in a scalable way. Number two, it helps us to empower leaders like the disciples are empowered. And number three, it allows us to see the multiplications of blessings. And so I just really believe, and we're filled with vision at Kalos Church, that we are going to reach people with the gospel, that we're going to work, and we're going to invite, and we're going to pray, and we're going to see Jesus do amazing things in Bellevue. We know that God has a plan for Bellevue. We know that where people are without hope and without purpose, that Jesus is going to do something amazing here in Bellevue. How many of you guys would agree with me on that? That he has a plan for Bellevue, he has a purpose for here, that God is bringing people to Bellevue from all over the world. And I believe it's not by accident, but that people will know Jesus and his love and his amazing power. And as we grow larger, it is important that we grow smaller. And so Jesus has compassion. And as already as Kalos is growing, we're realizing very quickly, Amritha and I are the pastors here, and we realize like we cannot individually connect with every single person, even in this room. If we met with every single person one-on-one, like every single day, it would be months before we could start the rotation again. And a lot of times in the church, we expect pastors to do all the ministry. We expect pastors to be the ones that do all the hard work and get to know each other. And we love people. We love digging in. And if you get to know us very well, you'll realize we love processing for hours until you're sick of processing. Like, we, we get in there, okay? We love it. But doing that for even 100 people or 200 people, our first service at Kalos Church was 234 people, we realized very quickly that we cannot care for individuals as much as we would like to care for them. And we need this to be bigger than us, bigger than pastors, bigger than just some professionals. And uh, it's pretty intense. And so what we need is scalable ministry. We need to create environments where we can care for one another, amen, where we can be the church, where we can love one another as Jesus has loved us. And there's something very powerful that happens in community, that happens in these environments where we are known, because ministry automatically begins to happen. There's this concept I want to share with you. It's called the Johari window, and it talks about these different realms of identity and these different realms of perception. And uh, there's the arena, the mask, the blind spot, and the potential. And these are all aspects of the Jahari window. And this is something that community, I believe, offers us. The arena is what we show to people about ourselves. So when we walk into Kalos Church, we've been getting ready for like 40 minutes. We got our hair done. We got our clothes picked out. We're ready to go. We come in here. We're looking good. We know what we're going to say when people 
say, how are you doing? We have an answer down. And this is what we present to the world and what the world sees of us. This is the arena. The second part of the Johari window is the mask. These are areas about our life where we know this about ourselves, but we don't let anybody else see it. So we know what we're thinking. We know what we did last night. We know what we did last year. We know who we really are on the inside, but we're not quite ready for people to see that yet. That's called the mask. The third part of the Johari window is the blind spot. This is something that really happens only in community. It's stuff that other people see about you, but you don't see about yourself. The blind spot. I remember I had a mentor who said, Pradeepan, do you know that you only talk about yourself? I said, come again? He said, you are always the hero of your own stories. Whenever you walk into a party, you're telling people how amazing you are, you're telling people how much bread you eat. You're telling people how cool you are. You're always the hero of your own story. And I said, wow, I want to tell that story sometime about you having that encounter with me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it happens today. <laughs> no, I, I said, oh my goodness, you know what? I do, I do see a pattern in my life. This is a blind spot. I had no idea I was dealing with that. And can you, can you help me work on that? Can you, can you help me be someone that walks in a room and isn't just concerned about people thinking I'm cool, but I want to be the kind of person that walks in a room and makes other people feel cool. And thank you for exposing this blind spot in my life. And so that, that's really something that happens in the context of community, where we can help each other. We can be like iron that sharpens iron. We can be friends that call each other out and be like, hey, do you know that you're doing that? Or hey, do you know that you have a gift for this, that I could see you developing this kind of thing, or I could see you being a speaker or a musician, or I could see you starting a business, and we just start calling each other out, saying their potential and their blind spots and what they don't know about each other. And there's a fourth avenue of the Johari window, and it's number four. It says the potential, and that's what you don't know about me, and it's even something I don't know about me, and this is what God knows about us, and this is our potential. And so there's these areas of the Johari window, and for us to experience all of them, it really means that we must be in community for the arena, the mass, the blind spot, the potential. There's another quote by C.S. Lewis that really pumps me up about community and friendship in groups. It says this, in each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and thereby a fourth, if only the newcomer is qualified to become a real friend. They can then, as the blessed soul Saint Dante, here comes one who will augment our loves, for in this love to divide is not to take away. I love this, to divide is not to take away. As we grow in community, as we get into each other's life, we add different lights that uncover who we all really are. It's so powerful. Uh, it's like in this group environment, it's like, hey, I think you're, you're really a good speaker. And then someone comes along and says, hey, you really have a heart for people who don't know Jesus. And then someone says, hey, why, why don't you become a pastor or a preacher? 
That's what happened to me. So many people confirming these ideas and these thoughts and just speaking them into existence. And through community, I was able to have a more holistic, of how, holistic view of how God has created me. Community is so important. I need you. You need me. We need us. Uh, there's another aspect that in the context of small groups, as we have big church and small church, we find that leaders are empowered. We can empower leaders. Ephesians 4 in the scriptures, 4, 11 through 12 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I like this verse because instead of the pastors doing the pastors, the teachers doing the teaching, this scripture says that these gifts, these responsibilities were to equip God's people to do the work of God. So it's not just my role to pastor people, it's my role to pastor you guys so that you can pastor one another. Does that make sense? And so there is an empowering of leadership. And in small groups, that happens. You know, we have a Sunday morning gathering, and I'm doing a lot of the speaking, and we have the band doing a lot of the music, and we have a limited amount of leadership opportunities here on a Sunday morning because there's just a certain amount of slots. Like if we had 50 speakers up at one point, it would be very confusing, okay? And so in small groups, it gives us the chance to empower many people to develop speaking gifts, many people to develop ministry gifts, many people to unlock their home to host, many people to make an impact for the, the sake of the gospel. And so what we can do with small groups as we think large church and small church is we can equip many people for the work of the ministry. And I just want to take a moment and just acknowledge that, guys, what is happening here in Kalos Church, like the amazing people we have in this room right now, the amazing people who have been serving and giving, I just want to be candid. Like, there is greatness inside of you guys. Like, this is just not a normal, average group of people. Like, you guys are talented and smart and, and really just full of the passion and presence of God. And it would be a shame if all you did was sit in seats on Sunday morning and watch other people talk on stage and not use the gifts and callings that God has put inside of you to make a difference. I mean, seriously, you guys have a lot to offer. You have a calling to pursue. You can really make a difference. How many people in here feel like God has called you to make a difference in this world? God has called you to make an impact in your workplace, in your community, in your family, that you're not content with just being a spectator, but you want to be a contributor. You want to move this thing forward. You want to make known the beauty of Jesus and not just watch others make known the beauty of Jesus. Amen? And I, I just... I would be ashamed as a leader and a pastor if I was the only one doing the ministering up here, if Amrita was the only one doing the ministry. What we are called to do is equip you guys to do the work of the ministry, to make known the beauty of Jesus, because guess what? You have what it takes to make a difference. If you ever thought you weren't good enough, or if you don't have what it takes, or you're not qualified enough, I just want to say that is a lie. That is not true. No matter what you've done, no matter how ashamed you felt about yourself, no matter how unequipped you feel like you are, you can make a difference. Just like the disciples, they're like, with what bread? 
And Jesus said, hey, go find what you have and use it. Use what you've got. And I want to tell you something, Kalos Church. You have something. You have something that God can multiply. You have something that God can use to make a difference in someone's life. And it would be a shame if you hid that light. Please make a difference. Please don't hide what you've got. Please don't discount yourself anymore because Jesus wants you to make a difference. You can love someone. You can speak a word of encouragement. You have a talent. Don't hide it. Don't discount yourself. Don't hide it anymore. Don't be ashamed. Don't just refuse to use your gift because you think you're not as good as someone else because Jesus wants to empower you to carry the work of the gospel forward and make known the beauty of Jesus. And so we see Jesus say, hey, put them in groups and you give them something to eat. You feed them. You hand out this. Jesus could have done it all himself, amen? He could have done it. He's so big. He's so powerful. But he chooses to empower people so that we can all have stake in this thing. And as it goes with spiritual growth, participation beats observation every single time. And I want to make sure that we are growing together, that there's not a lid on your level of spiritual growth, where you feel like Kalos isn't a place where you can grow, where Kalos isn't a place where you can't continue to learn and find out more about Jesus and how he has created you. But you will only find that as you participate instead of just observing, because participation beats observation every single time when it comes to spiritual growth. Amen? Amen. And so as we... See large groups and small, um, or as we see big church and small church, number three, we'll find that it multiplies the blessings. Just like we see Jesus, he says, you give them something to eat, and then he prays for that sweet, delicious, wonderful bread. And he prays for it, and then he starts handing it out, and it starts to multiply. And the scriptures say that they didn't even have, they had too much bread, that they had leftovers. And we saw something supernatural happen in the scripture. And I believe that in Kalos Church, as we start figuring out what small groups looks like here, as we start saying, hey, I'm going to make a difference in my home, in my life. I'm going to use my life for ministry. I'm going to open myself up to the possibility that God might use me, not just on a Sunday morning, but to open up my life, you know, Monday through Saturday to make a difference for Jesus, that he is going to multiply the blessings. You know, I, I believe it was Einstein. He said, the most powerful thing on earth is compound interest. And uh, compound interest is something really amazing. I am not a math person, okay? Where are my math people at? All right. Joy over here, she used to get paid for math. You still get paid for math. Oh, my goodness. If I ever got that job, someone said, I will pay you to do math, I would immediately die and turn into smoke. So she's like a genius in the realm of math. So you probably know all about compound interest. But uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. If someone said, hey, I will give you a million dollars today, or I will give you a penny and multiply it for 30 days every single day, what would you choose? How many people would choose the million dollars up front? A million dollars up front. You get it right away. All right, Zack Snyder, anybody else? Who chooses the million dollars up front? Josh does? All right, Erica? All right, who, who would choose the penny multiplied every day for 30 days? All right, all right, awesome. And who would pick some random third option I haven't thought of? All right, all right, <laughs> Michigo. Okay, I want, I want you guys to see the power of multiplication and compound interest. 
Day one with the penny. Let's see what will happen. Day one, how much money will you have? One penny. You guys are, you guys are great. Mathematicians. Joy, is that true? The math, <laughs> the, math, the math of sound. Okay. Day two, how many? Two cents. Joy? Wait, no. No, don't do that. That messes up my math. <laughs> Look at my lunch. Nope. I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Okay, it's gonna be even greater than what I'm about to share. <laughs> All right, so day two, two pennies. <laughs> day three, four pennies. Day four, eight pennies. Say it with me if you know it. Day five, 16. Day six, 32. Day seven, 64. Day eight, dollar 28. Day nine, 256. Day 10, 512. Day 11, 1024. 12, 2048. 13, 4096. Come on, say if you know it. Day 14, 8192. 15, 163, 84. Come on, people! Day 16, 327, 68. Day 17, 655, 36. Day 18, 1310.72. Day 19, 2621, 44 cents. Day, come on, people! Day 20, 5242, 88 cents. Day 21, 10,000.25, 76 cents. Day 22, 20,971.52. Day 23, 41,943.04 cents. Come on, people! Day 24, $86,732.64. This is the power of compound interest, multiplied blessings. Come on, as we grow smaller, we actually grow larger. Day 28, 1,342,177.28 cents. Come on, somebody. You're going down, Zach. We're rich. We're rich. Day 29, $2,684,000, blah, 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 and 56 cents. Day 30, $5,368,709.12. That is powerful, people. Over $5 million and maybe more, depending on how I screwed up this math, but over $5 million for sure because we chose to operate in multiplication versus addition. Can we clap one more time? Just so I can catch my breath. Just so I can catch my breath. So I, I just believe that as we grow smaller into small groups and start multiplying the amount of leaders, the amount of people taking ownership of this ministry, this is one of the strategies that we find in the early church that's going to cause us to really make a substantial difference in Bellevue, on the east side, in the Seattle region. Because many people need to know the beauty of Jesus, Amen. And we can do so much more together than we can do apart. We are better together. And as we multiply, and as we think smaller, as we think larger, oh my goodness, it's going to make such an opportunity for us to multiply the work of God. And so, Ben, you guys can come up. Quite practically, practically, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're saying, hey, I don't know exactly what small groups are going to look like at Kalos Church, and we're going, to, we're going to break down the nuts and bolts, but you're saying, hey, I would like to be interested in that. 
I would like to participate in that. I am a little interested in that. What I want you to do is just go to our website. It's www.kalos.church slash groups. Go to that, kalos.church slash groups. And I just want you to fill out a simple form. It's just going to be your name, your email address, and your number. And we're going to let you know about an interest meeting where we're going to talk about what is the vision for small groups launching in February? What is the strategy? And so there's, this is not an email of commitment, but it's just an email of saying, hey, I, I am interested. I would like to get involved. I would like to be part of this multiplication work of making known the beauty of Jesus. And I believe that we can make a difference together, just like Jesus. He didn't send the crowds away, but he said to the disciples, hey, let's put them to groups. And use what you have to make a difference. And Jesus multiplied the effort of God. And I just want to close with this last story. I was listening to a, a pastor from Oklahoma, a pastor of a church called Life Church Speak. And he said that he, he shared uh, some uh, bout with temptation that he had. He was in a, a public bathroom, and there was like an inappropriate like adult magazine in the bathroom. And he, he was like, oh my goodness, what is this? doing here like I'm a pastor like if anybody sees me with this thing but he's also thinking like I'm alone I could look like you know even though I preach about holiness and you know keeping your eyes only for your wife or your spouse like nobody would ever know but in that moment he made a decision you know what no I'm going to practice what I preach and in a large gathering on a Sunday morning he shared this story and then later on throughout the week, there were a bunch of small groups that gathered, just like we've been talking about. So there was the big church, and then there was the small church gathering. And they started to share, like, wow, look what, look what the pastor talked about. He dealt with this temptation, too. And a young man, he, he, he shared, like, hey, I've been looking at some inappropriate things on the Internet. I feel like I'm addicted. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. And he was just being very vulnerable to a group in a home, a very intimate setting. And there's another girl who had never been to church before, and she was in this small group environment for the very first time. And she is waiting for the group to really condemn this man. Oh, man, he's a sinner. He struggles. He's, like, dealing with things. He's addicted. How dare you go to church? But the exact opposite happened in this group. They didn't judge him. But they said, hey, can we love for you? Can we love you? Can we pray for you? Can we be a community that says, hey, you can be vulnerable. You can acknowledge that you're a little jacked up because we're all a little bit jacked up. <laughs> and can we just, instead of judging you, can we love you? Because a lot of times it's hard to love someone if you're too busy judging them. And so they just gathered around him. And this girl who had never been in church, she was amazed. These people really love each other. It kind of reminds me of that scripture. Jesus says, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And she said, wow you know what, I'm dealing with some things. I want to be vulnerable. So she confessed to this group. She says, guys, you know, I have a little kid at home, and I, I'm doing some work at a gentleman's club that I'm not super proud of. But I do it to pay the bills, and I can't tell my family, and I'm ashamed of it. And I feel like I, I got to make money, but I, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I don't feel proud of who I am. And if I, if I could get another job, like, I would quit this job in a second. And she's just very vulnerable in this community. And in that small group environment, they said, hey, we will chip in together, and we'll pay for your bills if you quit tomorrow. And we'll cover all of your bills until you can get a new job, if that's what you want to do. She said, wow, really? You would do that for me? And so the next day, she walked into this gentleman's club, 
and she said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be a stripper anymore. I'm going to quit. And uh, this church community has offered to pay my bills. And they did that. And she got involved in that church and started, you know, really finding her identity and her purpose and her calling in her life as they spoke purpose into her and showed her who she really was through the power of Christ. And she started a ministry where she made a way for all women who didn't want to go into works that they didn't want to be in and said, hey, I can help you get out of the business if you want to get out of the business. But it was in this environment of a small group and people being vulnerable and a message being preached in a large gathering, but then dissected in a small gathering where someone's story was known and their name was known and it was the body of Christ that was able to love her as an individual. Man, that's what we see happening in Kalos Church. That's how we see the beauty being made known. And I pray that we could be a community that loves one another as Jesus loves us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this revelation, this understanding that there's power in a large group, but there's also intimacy in a small group. And I pray that we could tap into the power of both, that we wouldn't have to say either or, but we could say both and. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to use these tools to love one another as you have loved us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be butts and rows, that we could be friends in circles. Oh Lord, help us to be a community where you and I belong. Help us to receive your love and help us to pass that love on to one another. Oh Lord, this is our prayer today. You know, uh, you guys can look at me, but I realize not everybody here is a Christian. Not everybody has experienced the love and the hope and forgiveness and the fresh start of Jesus. And, uh, man, it's, it's the best. That, that freedom in Jesus, that love, that hope, it's just the best. And, you know, you might be new to faith or exploring faith or maybe you just feel far from God. I want to give you an opportunity right now to say, hey, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I don't want to live by my own rules anymore because it's not working, but I want to live and follow the ways of Jesus. I want forgiveness. I want that fresh start. And I, I want to give you an opportunity for you to just receive prayer, a prayer of a fresh start, a prayer of saying, I want to turn from my old ways. So let's bow our heads one more time so we can just make this a private moment. But if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, and that's me, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness. I want a fresh start. Could you just raise your hand right now so I could pray for you? If that's you, you're like, Pastor Pradeep, and pray for me. That's awesome. I see hands. That's great. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. You can put your hands down. And let's just pray this prayer together. This isn't a magic spell, but it's just a way of articulating what might be in our hearts today. So let's just all repeat this together. God, thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose to follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I have made mistakes. Please forgive me and help me turn from my old ways forever. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause in here for a fresh start, for forgiveness, for hope, for love?